Welcome in Wolverines to the Quickfire Podcast, sitting in for Nathan Jackson. I am Nathan Farmer. I am a senior staff writer here at the UV Review. Uh, joining me today, the assistant sports editor for the UV Review, Bryce Larson. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Had the opportunity to go to men's basketball media day, also women's basketball yesterday. So it's a good day. I'm doing great. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some insight on that later on in the podcast. Um, so let's jump right in. It was kind of a lighter week in terms of the number of games this week for UVU sports. We'll start off with volleyball. They won both of their games against Dixie State this week in the Old Hammer rivalry. Uh, they won a five-set thriller on Thursday in St. George, and they swept the Trailblazers here at home on Saturday. And they're currently riding a five-match winning streak, their longest of the season. I believe I said in the story on the game on Thursday that it was a their seventh five-set game of the season. Which I kind of equate that to like one-run games in baseball. Like just those, like the better record that you have in those close games, the better your record will be. Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are deep games. Like they must they're they're used to going deep into games and they're able to to pull it out in the end as well. And that's always a sign of a of a really good team. So we'll see how they're able to fare the rest of the way. Yeah, so this week they have a pair of neutral site games down in Arizona against WAC newcomer Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston State. The game on Friday against Stephen F. Austin is at 4, and the game on Saturday against Sam Houston State is at 3, uh, and both of those can be streamed on ESPN+. And they just have three more home games left this season. The next one is on October 30th against Chicago State, um, so come on out and support the women's volleyball team. Moving on to women's soccer, uh, they defeated Dixie State 4 nothing. Another, another rivalry win uh, this week for the Wolverines. Uh, Heather Stainbrook, Julie Carter, Amber Tripp, and Sadie Brockbank all scored for the Wolverines. Uh, and they have their final homestand of the season this week, hosting Seattle U on Thursday at 6 and Cal Baptist on Saturday at 1. Yeah, those the women's soccer team, they didn't get off to the start that they wanted to and that a lot of people expected them to. But I feel like later in the season, they've, they've kind of rebounded a little bit. And yeah. as long as they can keep the momentum going from that win over Dixie State, I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll have a shot in the WAC tournament. Yeah, I mean, they had a good initial start to the season, and then they kind of tapered off towards the end of non-conference. They had that rough road trip to Oklahoma and Alabama. Yeah. Then they kind of sputtered a little bit to start conference play, but then now they're hitting their stride. They're trying to defend that WAC uh WAC regular season and WAC tournament title. Um, yeah, I think they're in great shape to make the NCAA tournament again this year. Absolutely. Uh, men's soccer, they bounced back from a rough week with a 4-1 win over UNLV on Sunday. Sterling Pennison, John Evans, Arma, and, and Jojea Quizera, and also as James Pena all scored for the Wolverines. So that's four different, four different guys that scored for the Wolverines on Sunday. Uh, this was a game that I covered, and the first shot didn't come until like the eighth minute of the game. So it was, it was quite, it was, it was pretty competitive um, for the first little while. Eventually, you know, starting Penison John was able to to get a header early in the game, 
Um, he, he actually hit the left post and it bounced in. So it was, it was close. It was off of a, a free kick. Later on in the game, it actually got a little bit chippy as well uh, between U, UVU and UNLV. I believe there was, I don't know if it was because of a celebration or, or if there was just frustrations that were mounting over, but it seems like every time that I cover the men's soccer team, I don't know how, how it is with you, every time I cover the men's soccer team, it's always chippy. Like last year against San Jose State, um, I believe it was in a loss as well. Um, there was there was like a, a post-game scuffle with San Jose State. And so these guys, they're, they're dogs. They're fighters. They bring it every time um, they're out on the pitch. And Kyle Beckerman's got a squad, you know. Um, I think Kyle Beckerman, even though this is just his first season, I think he's, he's putting something special together. And speaking of Kyle Beckerman, we were just talking about this. Um, RSL is going to honor Kyle Beckerman coming up on November 3rd um, at the RSL game. And I believe it's against Portland uh, up in Sandy. So make sure you check that out. Go support Kyle Beckerman as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've covered, I believe, either two or three men's soccer games this year, and they've been chippy just like you said i, I kind of want to know like obviously you see like the physical play but i wonder there's there's they got to be saying things out on the field too that we're just not hearing yeah and and the thing is too like a bunch of the guys especially at least on the uvu team they're foreign guys they're, they're not from the united states like, yeah. i know there's at least two or three players from mexico or central america and um, there's Evans Armas from Ghana. Uh, Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wish I could be just like a quote unquote fly on the wall, just kind of floating around the, the field while they're playing to like, just hear what they're saying, stuff like that. Cause I'm sure they gotta be like saying stuff to each other, especially if there's yeah. like other guys on the other team. They're also from Mexico or, or wherever they're also from just like, talking trash and <laughs> Spanish or whatever. So I, I think that would be, I wish I could do that. Obviously that's not possible. Right, yeah. No, I, I feel you. Um, I wonder if it's something that as a team, they, I, I don't want to say that they like plan on getting into fights going into the game, mm-hmm. but I think it is something, there's something to it where as a manager, you, you tell your guys like, it's going to be physical and you want them to bring, that physicality into the game. Obviously you don't want them to get into fights where they're throwing punches and it gets like, like really bad, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to go into games expecting there to be, I don't want to say fights, but like a chippiness that, you know, yeah. Well, that's, that's one thing that I'm sure Kyle Beckerman is very familiar with having played in the MLS and for the U S men's national team. I know it's kind of a running joke I wouldn't say it's a joke, but like the, um, just like the style of play in CONCACAF and the North American, Central American Federation, it's always very physical, very chippy, regardless of what two countries are playing. It could be U.S. versus El Salvador, and there will be little mini scuffles and everything. Like these guys, they don't, it's not like they're huge, like rivals. Like this style of play, it's just, it lends itself to that. Yeah chippiness and it's just I wonder if that's kind of what 
Kyle Beckman's trying to like instill, like get these guys ready for playing in like the MLS stuff like that, getting them ready mentally to be able to play in those tough situations where they need to like be physical, but they also need to like keep their, keep a level head so that they don't get thrown out of the game. Yeah, and stuff there's like no that. suspensions, nothing like that. Yeah, I know I agree with you. I think it's a good philosophy and a, you know, it shows that these guys want to play for their coach. They want to play mm-hmm. for Kyle Beckerman. And then the men's soccer team, they have two games this week. They're going to be at Chicago State on Friday at 6, and then Sunday at Houston Baptist at noon. And heading into to golf, uh, there's the final tournaments of the fall season this week for golf. They'll be off until February. So men's golf finished second at the Bill Colum Invitational at Cal State Northridge last week. They'll be off this week, heading to Hawaii next week for the Hokulai Invitational hosted by the University of Hawaii. That's a great place to go play golf. I'm jealous. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I could get a little, I mean, obviously it's a, you hear about business, quote unquote business yeah. trips, but I, I wish I could take a little mini vacation to Hawaii yeah, this absolutely. time of year. Yeah, to go play golf. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing that I know is that my kids, here's the one thing that, that I, don't, I don't know how it is. Uh, you grew up in California, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is in California, but here in Utah, they have the men's golf season in the fall. Mm-hmm. Is it the same in California? Do you know? I think it's in the spring. So you, I, we didn't, my, I was just from like a sort of a poor school district, so we okay. didn't really have golf. Right. It was, it was like a club sport. It wasn't like an gotcha. actual team sport. So, yeah, the, here... They have the men's golf season in the fall. So if you want to play football, there's no way you can play golf. Mm. Or you can golf for the golf team. So I, you know, and I think that's that might be because, I don't know if this is true, but a lot of baseball players might might golf. But I feel like I'd mess up uh, their swings. Yeah, personally. I don't. It's, I a, don't, it's a much different swing, and I feel like they'd throw yeah. it off. So why not move the men's golf to spring so that some of the football players can play as well? That's what I was thinking in high school. That's what I wanted to do, but wasn't able to. So anyway, my kids are going to golf because that's a great sport. That is a great sport. Good thing to get into. But moving on, the women's golf finished third at the Pat Lesser Harbottle Invitational in Seattle last week. Uh, They'll be heading to Boulder City, Nevada next week to play in the Clash at Boulder Creek hosted by Northern Arizona. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I meant to look up like the geography of like where Boulder City is in relation to Northern Arizona University, but that just feels like it's a weird, yeah, weird location. Why Northern Arizona would be hosting that. That's that is indeed. Yeah, I mean, and I know like the um, there was a I believe it was a golf tournament a couple weeks ago that was like in Idaho but it was hosted by Gonzaga but it was like a 30 minute drive just across the border yeah but um moving on to cross country uh men's cross country finished 19th and the women's cross country finished 21st in a stacked meet at the Florida State invite slash pre-nationals this past weekend uh there were 12 ranked men's teams and 10 ranked women's teams in the competition, so the Wolverines were up against some stiff competition there. Freshman Max Mahon led the Wolverines with a 50th place finish out of 304 competitors in his race. In the women's race, Kayla Odekirk finished 61st uh, for the women, leading the team. 
both runners set team records for the season with their times. Uh, so they're definitely getting into gear as they get ready for the WAC championships. They just have one more meet uh, this week. It's the Utah Open hosted by the University of Utah up in Salt Lake this Thursday, the 21st. And then they'll have the WAC championships next Saturday on October 30th in Riverside, California. Moving on to some news and notes. Uh, in women's volleyball, freshman Natalie Palmer was named the Ticket Smarter WAC Freshman Player of the Week this past week. Palmer, a setter from Highland, Arizona, averaged a double-double in two matches against Dixie State this week, including 15 assists and a career-best 15 digs in their first match against Dixie State this past week. Yeah, and talking about women's volleyball, um, Kazna Tanubasa is pretty close to breaking the what is it, all-time kills record. At, at uh, she's not. She won't break the record. She is like whoever's in first place is like heads and tails above like everybody else. But yeah. she's in. She might have moved into third place by now. So Bryce, you mentioned basketball media day. Um, were there any insights? Any big scoops? Like, what's the vibe? heading into the season with the men's and women's teams? The vibe, so there's nothing like uh, worthy of news and notes. No big injuries, really. That's um, always good. They talked about a little bit, maybe Blaze, Neald, might be a little banged up, but he's he's coming back. That's good, yeah. He's, he's, I know he's a guy that they're hoping, after transferring from BYU, hope he can yeah. be a key piece with the team yeah absolutely one thing that mark madsen said about blaze is that he's just a dude that they can rely on to not turn the ball over like his assist mm -hmm. to turnover ratio is insane like one of he said that he's talking like top in the country right mm -hmm. and and the whole team really he said i think they were like top 11 in the country to assist to turnover ratio and i think that's why a lot of their where a lot of their success came from right you saw earlier teams like, I think the first team that Mark Madsen fielded, like, that was the downfall of the team. Just turnovers killed them. With, mm. with um, I think it's TJ Washington and, and Ola Japoke were there. Um, but now, one thing that uh, Coach Madsen said, like, the overall message to his team that he's had for him in the offseason is just to control the things that they can control, right? Mm. He said they can control their their nutrition they can control what time they go to sleep they can control their schoolwork. they can control um whether they they box out you know and rebound um he he mentioned one thing that the great michael jordan always says like eventually your shot is going to depart from you you could go oh for 10 but i can still rebound i can still play really good defense Right. Another thought or another big thing is that this year, last year, that they, they had 16 newcomers, right? They're a brand new team. They never really played mm -hmm. together. This year, they're all coming back, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're going to have a lot of these guys that have played together, and then they're incorporating the newer, younger guys to be able to, to come in. And then also Connor Harding transferred over as well. So that's a good addition to the team. Yeah, I mean, that's I, – I know there was a – I think it was like the NCAA March Madness Facebook page or Twitter page or whatever tweeted out like who who's the sleeper team to be a quote unquote Cinderella team this year. And I, I think UVU could make that run. I mean, they've 
the the pieces that they've added and developed in the last few years. Like Fardas Imac, he's going to be an absolute monster this year. He's going to have. I mean, he's he was like whack player of the year, whack defense player of the year last year, but like he's slimmed down. He's been working on a jump shot. Like there's, he's added tools to his game and he was already such, he was already like obviously MVP of the whack essentially. And so I, I would, I would not be surprised to see UVU be one of those teams that can like, um, if they win the whack tournament, get in as like a, 14 or 15 seed and then pull off an upset be like an, wild. be like an oral oral roberts or even abilene christian who is joining the whack this year i think that's gonna it's gonna be a fun year i've always been a byu sports fan but like as i've covered uvu sports i've like come to appreciate uvu sports more and it's like when i'm covering a game it's hard for me to like switch off being a fan because like I, right. I care about the team so much stuff like that yeah i feel you and when with the new additions to the conference like the conference gets a lot tougher as well like you have Stephen f austin who mm-hmm. has made the tournament in the past couple of seasons so they're used to going there mm-hmm. um, abilene christian like you suggested and sam houston state like they added a bunch of texas schools obviously you saw tarleton dixie that are in there as well this year and so one thing that Coach Madsen said is that he hopes eventually the, the competition, uh, I had asked him about what his thoughts were on the new conference, and he said that he hopes that this conference, and he feels like soon in the near future, this conference is going to be able to get two bids into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, I mean, you don't want to like copy, so to speak, the West Coast conference, but like, Obviously, that's a pretty top-heavy conference with Gonzaga and BYU right now. Yeah. Like, they used to be a one-bit league back in like the early 2000s. It used to be Gonzaga. I think they made like 17 straight or right. something like that. Yeah. But then you had like St. Mary's getting in on it too. So I think like building up the quality of competition – overall will definitely help give the league more bids overall. Yeah. And I I think the, the whack, what they've done in adding these teams is actually a really, really good thing for them. And the timing is just was perfect because Mm -hmm. if you can imagine if they had waited until after BYU announced that they were going to leave to go to the big 12, um, New Mexico State might have been poached by the West Coast Conference. Like, I don't know how many people would see that. Like, I honestly believe that if you're New Mexico State, a jump to the West Coast Conference is really good, like a great jump for you. That's Mm -hmm. that's big time. And so with them adding these other teams, I think there's still that opportunity for them to go, but I think that the whack is, is... a little bit better of a place for them to be because they can become that two big conference, um, even even if not. So adding those teams to the WAC really good for the conference, um, and, and Coach Madsen thinks that they can become that two big team. So we'll see what happens in the near future. But it's going to be a tough road for this team. You know, last year I don't think eleven wins are going to cut it this year, right? I think eleven <laughs> wins with a with a really depleted conference new mexico state was down last year uh grand canyon had a really good team but i think they graduated a couple of really Mm -hmm. good players 
Um, and was I think Vander Vandermeed was that his last name? The center that played for Grand Canyon. So I think they have their work cut out for them, but they also have the ability to come together and be a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to transition to more to some national stuff. I wanted to start off uh, with the story that broke last Wednesday about the University of Oklahoma's starting quarterback situation. I just wanted to give a shout-out to the folks over at the OU Daily, the uh, student newspaper for the University of Oklahoma, for doing the nitty-gritty, doing the tough work that nobody else was really willing to do. Uh, If you're not familiar with the story, the sports editors for the OU Daily, they climbed on top of a building on campus there in Norman, and they used binoculars to spy on the court, on the on the football practice to figure out who was going to be the start, starting quarterback, or at least most likely be the starting quarterback. And I was talking with Bridger and uh, Nathan earlier this week, and we we're trying to figure out what would even be the equivalent of doing that here at UVU. <laughs> Oh, man. It would have to be like sneaking into the UCC center to see who the starting five is, right? Yeah. It's That's like, like the closest thing yeah. you can get. Yeah, like I texted my dad about this on Wednesday, and he's like, what if it would, like, you could like go spy on soccer practice, figure out who the starting goalie's going to be or whatever. Yeah. Like this, That's like honestly the closest thing that I could think of, like go climb on top of the McKay Education Building, spy on there on the practice field over yeah. there. Like that's, that's genuinely the only thing close as possible thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and one thing that I had heard um, coming from some OU students is that uh, Oklahoma has had some problems in the past with people taking pictures and tweeting it out of their practice, their practices, videos, pictures, and stuff like that to the point where they had to replace all of the windows in the dorms that are real, really close to the practice field so that they're like the fog windows so that you can't see out of the windows because the students were taking videos and posting it. And and obviously that gives the competitive advantage to their opponents. But yeah, so they've had that problem in the past. So they made it even harder for them to to be able to get the scoop and they still did. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to those guys there at the OU Daily. Uh, We'll shift gears over to the Utah Jazz. They are starting their season tomorrow. And it feels like it was... Just last week, they were blowing that lead against the LA Clippers <laughs> in the in the Western Conference semis. Yeah, what would you say is like your season prediction? Say like record wise for the Jazz. This so, year? the one question, the biggest question that I have is how available is Mike Conley going to be? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really the thing that hurt them the most, obviously, last year. You also had Donovan, who had a, a bum ankle towards the end. So, and injuries are part of the game. We saw it all across the league. So I, I just think last year the Jazz kind of missed their opportunity. It was a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, this year, I think you can – I think they'll hit that 45 win mark, which – last year would have put them in like fifth place mm-hmm. and it's just the western conference is so so competitive that it's going to be tough to get back up to that one like top three spot especially with 
the Nuggets getting healthy with Jamal Murray back. Um, well, I don't know. How, he's probably not going to start off the season. It was a pretty yeah. late ACL time. Yeah, I think it, it was after the new year last year. So he should be back like by January, I would say. Okay, so, yeah, I didn't think too much about that when, when it happened. So maybe the Nuggets won't be as good. But they, they, they still were a pretty solid team even without him. But yeah. they'll definitely be even more dangerous with him for sure. So, yeah, I would say just above the 40, 45 to 50 wins. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about this yesterday, just like what the ceiling is for that team. I, I think if, if everybody stays healthy the entire year, which is obviously not very likely, yeah. <laughs> especially in today's NBA, but I, I would say their ceiling would probably be about 50 to 55 wins. But, like, they're, you've got the Warriors bouncing back. They're going to have Clay Thompson for about like at least two thirds to three quarters of the season, um, and they're, they've retooled, added a bunch of pieces. But so have the Jazz, obviously. So, but you've got healthy Lakers, healthy Clippers, old Lakers, old, old Lakers. <laughs> I mean, that's that that team. I feel like they're going to struggle in the regular season, the Lakers. But once they get to the playoffs, I think they're going to hit their stride, just because they have so much experience and when like the rotations get shorter stuff like that having guys like Russell Westbrook Carmelo Anthony supplementing LeBron and AD that's gonna be a a scary team but obviously they have to stay healthy too I mean that's that's the biggest thing in today's NBA is teams staying healthy I mean we saw that last year with the Lakers as well as with the Nets they two teams that should have ran away with the most likely with the conference titles they just didn't because they couldn't stay healthy yeah but yeah to finish my thought I think just the fact that there's like so many really good teams I didn't even mention the Suns they're coming off of the finals appearance too um it's gonna be tough if they if the Jazz can finish in the top four I would consider that a moral victory of sorts yeah so and this is kind of going off uh, maybe it's a little bit more off topic but how often would you say because i feel like you know the nba a little bit more probably more than me i don't pay super close attention i'll follow every but how often would you say rookies have big impacts on an nba team um man that's hard to say i mean you saw like with lamello ball with right. the Hornets last year. He had a huge impact on basically single-handedly led them to the play-in tournament. Yeah. But on the other hand, you have guys like James Wiseman. I mean, he was hurt most of the year last year, but he, I mean, they were limiting his minutes. They yeah. wanted to get him acclimated to the speed of the game. And granted, that was kind of uh, kind of because he didn't play at all in college, too. He played like three games or something like that from Memphis. So I, it depends on the player, I would say. Um, if it's like a, a guy that's like a four-year starter in college transitioning to the NBA, I feel like he's more likely to have an impact. And even, even it, it just depends on the player, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's there's certain players I can't, I don't really feel like there's very many in this draft class from this past year that are going to be like impact star players from day one you don't have like a 
Zion Williamson type player in this draft class. I it's only time will tell. Honestly, it's it's hard to like like looking back. It's it's hard to find a piece because most. I mean, you'd have to go back to like maybe like Kawhi Leonard even like with the Spurs I believe it wasn't it was his rookie year when they won the finals right and he was finals MVP I think yeah it was either that or maybe the first year right after but it was close yes I mean it's it's those like generational talents that have that really break out yeah yeah see I wasn't around when Donovan was rookie so I didn't get to see much of his rookie year Mm. but I know that he had he had a pretty big that's true yeah I mean how did I forget? He's, he was he put the Jazz on the map. I mean, the Jazz had been coming off a yeah. few bad years after that. And so he took over, and I believe like Rodney Hood was supposed to be the guy that year, right? Mm-hmm. So Rodney Hood, but uh, really they, it was Donovan that kind of took over. And the reason why I bring this up is because I feel like the Jazz need that that just that one more guy who's really going to step up and take over, especially coming off the bench mm-hmm. obviously you have Jordan Clarkson but yeah. it seemed like last year everybody kind of knew the ball was going to Jordan Clarkson right so that you know they put a little bit more pressure on him and I feel like the bench even though it was really good with the six man of the year coming off um, I feel like there just was that one more piece that they needed to get the offense going a little bit more and I, I think if if they can get a guy to step up this year, um, even if it's like Azabuke who's drafted, I know he's not a rookie this year, it's his second mm-hmm. year. I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know how much he's been developed, but I feel like there's got to be that one guy that steps up. And maybe that's why they you went know, got Hassan Whiteside, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. I think 45 to 50 wins is possible for these guys. We're going to pick back up with what we were doing last year. Bridger and I... We would do weekly uh, predictions on if the Jazz would win their games or not. Bridger was always the... Ironically, I was more optimistic about the Jazz than he was. Granted, I'm not exactly a Jazz fan. I'm more of a Warriors fan. But yeah. he, was, he would always temper his expectations, especially like when the Jazz went on that big winning streak last year. He was always like... God, they're gonna lose this week. <laughs> they they they're, they just they're just gonna lose. That's. But then I'd be like, no, I think. I mean, they, look at their schedule. They're not playing anybody. That's super tough this week. But um, we'll look ahead at their games this week. They're playing the Thunder at home on Wednesday, and then at the Sacramento Kings on Friday. I think those are two very winnable games. I I mean. Thunder, they've they're kind of down in the dumps, but I think the the Sacramento Kings could be a sleeper team to make the playoffs this year. I mean, they've had all the pieces there for the last few years. I've I grew up in Northern California. I was always a, a Warriors fan, but I would always root for the Kings just because they're they've always been terrible for the past majority of my lifetime. I mean, I've like I have faint memories of like the. 2002 Western <laughs> Conference Finals against the Lakers. I was only three or four at that point. So, I, yeah, I, I think 
Jazz will win both of their games this week. I think that game against Sacramento on Friday is going to be the definitely the tougher of the two. I would agree with you, but um, yeah, I think the Jazz will come out strong. They'll win both of those games. Obviously, not too nothing too crazy there with those. Uh, the future, though, the future's bright with the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Um, they're they're gonna. I think they'll be able to build a, a good team but that's further down the road uh, but like you said Sacramento could be a surprise there I think the Jazz actually dropped a couple of games to Sacramento last season and so yeah you, know, you never know if they don't show up like it's the NBA if you don't show up one day you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna win well that's uh, going back to what we were just talking about about like rookie players with breakout seasons I think uh, Davion Mitchell with the with the Kings, he could be one of those yeah. guys to have a breakout season. He's dude from Baylor. Yeah, he's his nickname is Off Night. He's a really, really solid defender. I I think he's he's going to be a star in the NBA going forward. But that's I'm not going to dive any deeper in on that. We can go on for hours and hours of right. talking basketball. Just one more thing, like um, speaking of dudes from Baylor. A guy, a rookie that could step up for the Jazz, and he's kind of he kind of has in the preseason. It's Jared Butler, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you know, he's I think he's averaged like twenty points a game in, in the in the preseason. So obviously, he's not going to start for the Jazz right off, you know. But if if he continues his production, maybe further into the season around mm-hmm. Christmas time, we might see him break into that rotation a little bit further. And if Mike Conley can't stay healthy, I mean, there's 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 a window for yeah. him to step up. So. This could be a guy who comes in and, and it's another hit for the Jazz, but NBA draft is so hit and miss, you never know what you're going to get. So we'll see how it progresses. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it here for the Quick Fire Podcast. Um, Bryce, where can people follow you on socials and see your work and stuff like that? Um, you can follow me at Larson Sports on Twitter. Um, that's really, I don't really do much on Instagram. Um, so just Twitter, you can follow me at Larson Sports. I also write just a little bit for ESPN 960 Sports. You can go to ESPN960Sports.com. And, of course, the UV Review. Absolutely. And me as well. You can follow me at NLFarmer1 on Twitter. Um, and you can read my work in the UV Review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.